On this week's episode of Friend Code, we're going to do a deep dive on Pikmin 3 Deluxe for the Switch. Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of Friend Code. I'm your host, Michael Damiani. This week, I'm joined by two very special guests. Roger's Bass returning again. How's it going, Roger? It's going good. I'm always happy to be here. We're talking about Pikmin, which is great. Highly underrated series of Nintendos. So thank you for having me. I have to agree. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a minute. Uh, I was one of those people who was very much a person who underrated it. I got to ask about this uh, Piranha Plant hat, though, Roger. Uh, yes. Where did, where did you score this? Where's this from? Hashtag free product, bro. It's from the Nintendo <laughs> brand investor line. That's it. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, also joining us, uh, first time on Friend Code, uh, give a warm welcome to She Says. How's it going? Oh, my God. Dude, I'm so happy to finally be here. <laughs> Huge fan. <laughs> so, again... Thank you so much for inviting me on, especially to talk about Pikmin. So thank you so much, Damiani. Yo, no, pleasure. Uh, I was just going through the Twitter feed, and I, I've been playing through Pikmin 3 Deluxe. I decided to pick it up after the demo. So to start there, so we're, let's start talking about Pikmin 3, actually. For me, sure. real quick, uh, I really haven't given Pikmin a fair shake. Um, I knew a lot of people like it. I knew it was probably a pretty solid series. But I just never really got into Pikmin at all. So I never touched a game before, except maybe to get some gameplay back when I worked at Game Trailers. So the demo comes out, it's free, and I'm like, you know what? I feel really bad. I just haven't given this series a shot. I played it, and I was just like, wow! What have I been doing? Why have I not played this before? <laughs> Went out and pre-ordered and bought it, and then like played through the whole thing over a week. And wow. uh, I'm, nice. I am really sold on this. But I'm a newcomer to this. I'm kind of curious about the two of you, where you kind of started with Pikmin. Like, what was your first entry into the series? And uh, have you always liked it since the beginning? And how, do you, how are you kind of liking Pikmin yeah. 3 Deluxe? So, my first experience with Pikmin, weirdly enough, was seeing a Nintendo Power booklet they handed out if you get a pre-order of GameCube back at Funko Land, like years ago. So I was like 10 or 11 years old, and I remember seeing this preview booklet about the new Miyamoto IP coming from Nintendo, and just thinking it looked really innovative and cute, and there was a whole breakdown of Olimar and how he's like the size of a quarter, and I thought, okay, well, I've never really been huge into strategy games. Again, I was like 10 or 11. Um, so I, I thought, okay, I'll give this a fair shake, and I ended up getting it over the holiday season um, along with Smash Brothers, and I basically just no-lifed the original Pikmin over the course of a weekend, and I loved it. I, instantly fell in love with the series. I like, you know, all the cool little environmental sounds, um, just being out in nature, all the cute little characters themselves, the funny names for all the different items that are in the game. And yeah, I've been a huge fan ever since. And I, I am one of those people who feels like the series has gotten progressively better over the years. So it's funny to hear that you're like a newcomer to the series and you're starting with three, because I do think th three is the pinnacle for me of the series. I think two has a lot of really good things in it, but yeah, you're coming in at a great time. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what For me, I, yeah. I, well, personally, I, I got the GameCube at launch, and so there wasn't very much to play at the time. And so Pikmin was like one of the three options at the time. It was like Luigi's Mansion, uh, Super Smash a little bit later down the line, yep. and then Pikmin. So I got all three of those. And I will admit, I was not an initial fan right from the start. Uh, it was very intimidating. I did not like Majora's Mask for the same reason as the time limit factor. Mm -hmm. And it stressed me out, man. I couldn't do it at the start. But then Pikmin 2 came out, and I finally got a chance to play that. I was working at Toys R Us, and they had it in a bargain bin. And I was like, yeah, why not? And that removed the time factor. And I became a huge fan from that game. Went back to 1, and I started to realize, I was like, 
dude, I can just hit the reset button if I mess up on a day. Why not? Sure, right? of course. <laughs> so, that's when I started realizing that. I was like, this is an incredible game, and this one's even great in its own right. I would say almost like has good, but for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. So then, yeah, now we move on to three. Three is also amazing. It's definitely the most, um, I would say, accessible Pikmin to date, especially with Deluxe. I would say yeah. that that's the big you know, pull of this new version is that it does so many things that bring new people in. Um, but I would say out of the three, I might have to give it to two. I think two might be my favorite. Yeah. Curiously, have you played a lot of the multiplayer of two and three? Here and there, yeah. It's so hard to get friends to give it a chance. Sure, of course. Um, but like with three in particular, it's like, you know, guys, we can play the campaign together. I'll carry all the weight. <laughs> you just enjoy yourself. Just do yeah. little things here and there. You're still helping. And so I've started roping in a couple of friends who begrudgingly start the game. And now they're like, dude, I might pick this up now. I, a friend of mine just literally just picked it up two days ago because he played it with me. And he was like, now I get it. And I'm like, Good. yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> that is the thing I haven't been able to really experience, though, that I really want is the multiplayer. Um, with Pikmin 3 specifically, like off, it's this version was the first one to offer co-op, correct? Um, for the for the main campaign for yes. the main campaign yeah. um and then there's that uh that bingo battle that the, i saw during the treehouse live i haven't gotten to try that out at least yeah. and that looked insane i guess i lament the fact that there is no online functionality yes. for that that it's still restricted to with a friend locally i really want to try it out and but you know with the current situation uh for easy allies we can't get back into the studio with a bunch sure. of us just yet this is at the top of my list to do like a replay the whole campaign co-op and then do like oh, yeah. a bingo battle night but yeah uh so i guess, i'm assuming you roger you've played some multiplayer before like i, I oh, imagine yeah. it's great like does it, i'm a huge good, fan yeah. of bingo battle i mean that's literally the reason i keep coming back to pikmin i feel like the initial Pikmin game, like I said, I enjoyed it, but my one big gripe with it, again, I was 10 years old, just like you were mentioning, was, you know, the time limit. I feel like the time limit really did bother me. I was, like, stressed out. I was scared. I didn't know, you know, if I could redo certain things. And then as I got older, right, and I played Pikmin 2 for the first time, I really did love the campaign that you had there. I liked the introduction of Louie, but the thing that really sold me on it was that multiplayer. And so by the time I got to Pikmin 3, that was really the big pull for me. Um, I'm right there with you, though. I do lament the fact there is no online multiplayer, and that's something that I really expected with this deluxe version. I figure, you know, I know there's the new side missions with Olimar, and there are a bunch of little things here and there that tweak with the difficulty, but if there was one thing they would have added, I would have loved if it had online multiplayer, especially because of the pandemic right now. I feel like this would have been such a huge game, and I think a lot of other people would have gotten into it if they had that opportunity to actually play it online. Yeah. yeah, I think that Nintendo's kicking themselves over that one. Yeah. I don't, obviously, they couldn't predict what was going to happen. Um, <laughs> but I think if they had known ahead of time, it might have been a much bigger priority of theirs. But clearly, I think that part of making any multiplayer for the, the main campaign is just a sign of the accessibility of this version of Pikmin. I think they know just as well as probably the three of us that if you add in another person, it makes it a lot less intimidating to new players and stuff like that. But... Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think in an interview early on with Pikmin 3, the original version, there was discussions about trying to get the game to work. And there was two things that they didn't like. One was that they started building the game around multiplayer and not single player itself. And they thought that that was uh, causing a clash as far as game design goes. And then the other thing, too, was I believe Miyamoto has made a comment in the past saying that um, re-rendering two different versions of Pikmin with 100 Pikmin on screen becomes very difficult. Um, um, 
And I imagine that's even worse. It's compounded uh, even more so with online connections. Sure. So they're probably working through that. Yeah. So that's that's why I imagine it's not online. I mean, otherwise, why wouldn't you? Right. The multiplayer um, aspect, though, I, I think you're probably right with the online thing. But that is interesting that he said that, considering the game is so naturally co-op to begin with. Like, I understand the original didn't have that with the story campaign, but you're literally controlling three different captains. So why was that not even an option in the first place? <laughs> yeah, I, I got to agree. Actually, that might have been a comment for Pikmin 2. If I, if I mm. might, mm. Yeah. But um, yeah, 100%. I feel like this. all the things that are in deluxe were probably meant for the original version. Maybe yeah. rolled out. In like updates, but because the game didn't really land uh, popularity-wise, I feel like maybe they just kind of put a stop to it. Maybe that's just a yeah. speculation, though. That is a good. That, so that's a good point. So about Pikmin, its status within Nintendo's lineup of their 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 first-party IPs, real quick. Uh, it has never been a big seller for them, but it right. has been something that people have been asking for for a long time. But at the same time, it seems it, it was like what nine years between Pikmin two and Pikmin three. Uh, so it took a while, and I, I I'm kind of curious if like that might have also influenced me that it was just not an important series, perhaps, and that's why I also didn't give it like a fair shake. I I, I, I guess I've always thought about you know I, I guess I feel bad that I always frowned upon uh, who is it? Uh, this is this is like. I feel bad now, especially uh, Chris Kohler used to always okay. ask at E3 about where's <laughs> Pikmin 3 for those nine, that nine years. Every time I went to E3 for when I first was able to start doing E3, Chris Kohler would always ask about where's Pikmin 3. And I'd just sit there and be like, why Our Pikmin? Hero. Like, why Pikmin? Like, where, where's the new Zelda? Where's the new Mario? <laughs> but I get it. I really do get it now. I was like, I understand yeah. that this is a very unique series. Yeah. And But a lot of things you were talking about, I think, were maybe intimidating me. The time factor. For whatever reason, in Majora's Mask, it never really bothered me so much. Um, but in Pikmin, and especially in Pikmin 3, even though it might be more lenient than you're describing it was in the past... It still felt, it goes in my face all the time. Like the little sun thing at the top, and it keeps making that sound effect every time it moves sure. across. And I'm like, oh no. Like, I guess I didn't know all the rules at first. So during that, like, hurry up phase, I would freak out so much at first. Because I'm like, wait, do, like, it, it, do I have to call my Pikmin back? I was like, am I going to lose? I did not want to lose Pikmin. I was so scared of losing Pikmin. But you also mentioned, like, you have three captains now and toggling between right. that. That was. For better or worse, my playstyle, I refuse to embrace sending them out with different groups. Like, I, I was really fighting that for the longest time, keeping everything together. No, we're all stronger as a group. And I, it was like, that was like the biggest thing that, like, I, I think was a hurdle for me to get over. But I started to see, like, the level started to say, like, hey, you really need to start trying to do this because you're just making things harder on yourself. And I really um, like how the level designs, of, like, early enough, I, I think they knew that. I think they were did a great job of accommodating me early enough, saying, we know you want to feel safe. We, won't, we don't want you to get too overwhelmed. But later on, we're going to introduce these concepts. There's going to be so many different groups of Pikmin with so many different objectives. You, and if you want to get stuff done in a timely fashion, when I was taking, like, six days to do, like, one objective, I'm like, hmm, I think I understand what I'm doing wrong here, and I, I feel like that. So I really appreciate that. But at the same time, as both of you were describing the older games, I wonder... Especially, you're talking about the timeline picking one. If I might have been a little bit more, like, wouldn't have received that as well as I did with three. Sure. Right. Well, again, the design. One, oh, good. 
Oh, no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say that, you know, you only had 30 days in the original game. That was it. So there was oh. no spacing things out with the fruit. You literally had 30 days, and if not, you're dead. <laughs> okay. So they went the uh, a, a Dragon Age, uh, uh, that, uh, what is it, the Breath, sorry, Bre Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter. I don't know if you know that game, but like there's like a mechanic in there that like if you use this re this is one resource and if it goes away by the end of the game, you're dead. Like you have to like yeah, yeah same thing. Like I hate that kind of thing stinks. Like imagine if Majora's Mask, you only have like ten days to beat the whole game. You don't get to just keep resetting three days. That kind of time limit I think would freak me the heck out. Yeah. Again, there's ways around it, but uh, certainly like the initial shock of that uh, intimidated a lot of us. But yeah, with Pikmin 3 in specific, like they definitely had really great design with that. That's, like in your case, Damiani, like they just they did things at the start to kind of get you acclimated to the game. They were very hyper focused, hyper aware of players like you going into the game for the first time. Um, but of course, the options were there from the start too. Once you get all three captains, so me and Roger were probably uh, like immediately like, oh yeah, all right, you go this way, I go that way. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of it's accessible to everyone everybody and yeah. again with deluxe even more so it's like this normal mode is actually the easy mode because that's that's a even easier version from the original normal only mode right. in the original version and now the hard mode is uh the last game's normal mode mm. and now there's a mode for for me and roger once we've already you know jumped over that hurdle and we got this ultra spicy mode which i don't know about you roger but i think I think it's starting to catch up with me. I'm like, okay, now I'm starting to see how this becomes a challenge. At first so, I was like, yeah, who cares? Unfortunately, <laughs> I have not unlocked it yet because I've been playing through some of the bingo battle stuff and I've been playing in hard mode, regular hard mode, but you yeah. can't get ultra spicy until you beat hard. I would have jumped into ultra spicy immediately because I'm somebody who's beaten the original Pikmin 3 like three times already back on Wii U. So I was like oh. ready to go in, ready to try it out, and I still haven't had the opportunity to do it. Oh, poor Roger, dude. If you, just, if you play the demo, they yeah, give you the Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. Oh, I didn't <laughs> want to play the demo. I'm like, I'm going to get the game anyway, so I didn't even try the demo yet. Yeah. Uh, listen to you two talk about this now i feel like such a like a newbie now because <laughs> you're saying i didn't i didn't know normal was now like the ease like an even easier than i thought normal is like the normal <laughs> so you're like hard is actually the real normal so like i felt oh no so what she says was saying though it's the kind of thing where the game is meant for people like you too i think even like as you're going through the first couple levels of the game right you get the, the red pikmin first then you go and you get the, the rock pikmin and then the yellow pikmin so it almost like tries to block you almost like a metroid game really you know how you get the right power up and you go to a different metroid area it's almost like it's doing that exact same thing to say hey you need to understand these other mechanics first before we even throw these other pikmin at you before we either even give you these other captains um so right now i'm at the point where i just got the blue pikmin for the first time but i've already spent like 15 days in the game getting fruit and doing all these extra things I love the yellow. So, uh, uh, being first time being exposed to Pikmin, and like this one, this, so this one are just two new types, right? Flying and Rock were the new ones for this yeah. one mm -hmm. for Pikmin yeah. Three. Uh, the flying ones were pretty cool. I, I will say, like, I was a little bummed the title screen showed them off because I kept going like, <laughs> "Oh, what's gonna be the next one? What's gonna be the next one?" And then, like, one time I was like paying attention to the screen, wait, wait, is that a flying purple pink Pikmin? And I was like. Oh, it's like now I know. But anyway, I, uh, I the know. yellow Pikmin was like the the oh yeah moment. I was like, because I see these electrified fences, and I'm like, hmm, I'm gonna need a, something to get through that, aren't I? And then they introduce yellow Pikmin. And I'm like, oh oh, this is cool. Like charge it. I was like, yes, this is so cool. And then having the different enemy types, like I feel like they do such a good job of 
throwing out different obstacles at you which require you to juggle between once you've gone to that point where you've unlocked all the pikmin types having to juggle between them including you know don't uh don't we won't spoil the ending or anything like that but like it gets to a point where like you are constantly juggling between all the different types to, to yeah. be able to make like meaningful progress which i like that but i liked seeing like you were talking about metroid roger and i agree completely where they show you stuff you cannot do just yet right. and right. you're going to come back to it later and i really like that because i'm like i want to go back to this level before i go to my next objective i'm going to spend a day here and see what else yeah. i can do in this older area yeah, that was such a great comparison. I never even thought about that, but like, it's yeah, so it's true. Like a top down. Yeah, a top down Metroid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. I am curious about so, for, for, for if you played the Wii U version, the the Wii U gamepad and the lack of that functionality was that a, 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 any was that bothersome at all? Did it impact anything? And actually, can you clarify what it, was it used just for the map, or did it have other functionality? I'm not as familiar with the Wii U version. Couldn't you tap? To say where your Pikmin were gonna go, wasn't that a thing where you would tap on the bottom of the gamepad, and then you would say like where your Pikmin were gonna, or you would swip it, switch like, between or, your captains? I feel like that uh, should be possible. Oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say. Well, there's a lot of you know a lot of slight quality of life features. Like for example, yeah. those little bubbles when you pause the game, and it's like, oh, you want to pull up the Copai pad and look at the camera. That was like immediately accessible on the gamepad. Right. right. Um, the map was immediately accessible on the gamepad. Uh, but you know what? I will say this, and this is something I actually deliberately have decided to do in this new playthrough, is I'm not doing the map at all. Because oh, one thing one thing that really hindered my experience with Pikmin 3 on the original Wii U was I relied on the map too heavily, and it kind of like didn't allow me to get acclimated to the environments. And so I barely remembered how to navigate them on my own because I was so often just staring at the map to say, oh, okay, the marker's here. Let me just move the, the cursor that way. And I barely would look at the screen unless there was something to interact with, like an enemy or something. So, like, for this playthrough, I'm making it so that I have to, like, remember where everything is and just go there myself. Um, but, yeah. like, you know, but it was an extremely useful tool on the Wii U version. You could make things go by so much quicker, so much more, um, what's the word? Uh, well, you could just get things done a lot more clean. Uh, yeah. with by using the map constantly so um as kind of like an added challenge on my end i'm just like no i'm gonna get immersed in the world here this time around but um but so there's that and also yeah you could tap on the screen i believe um to do that and also the one other feature that a lot of people seem to complain about but this didn't affect me was that a lot of people got used to the new play control pikmin on the wii and so nice. you could use the ir pointer and stuff like that oh, and for the okay. wii U version you could use that same exact control scheme. Right, right. Uh, not for me. I always use the, the analog controls, and so having that feature removed was not a big deal for me, honestly. But. Have you have either of you played with the Joy-Con IR controls in this or no? I did not. I, I gave it a try. It's not too bad. Um, it, I, sometimes I, I lean into it just a little bit because mm -hmm. sometimes when I use the lock-on feature, which is way more accessible in oh, this new awesome. version. You just click yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, I sometimes, like, they don't quite go where I want them to go, and so I'll just tilt. I'm using the Joy-Con, so I'm like, uh, eh. <laughs> there we go. Good. <laughs> Got it. All right, perfect. Yeah. I mean, I know, uh, uh, I don't think I, I did not intend to do it the way I played through it, but what you just said, she says, is actually how I ended up doing my playthrough. 
Um, I didn't rely on the map too much, only because I didn't like having to keep bringing it up. Towards sure. the end, I mean, I did realize, find out at the end, you could, uh, I mean, I assume you know this as well, but on the map, you can just point to a spot and send, like, order them to go here. So mm -hmm. hearing that was on the gamepad, I was like, oh, that must have been way faster. But I do agree that because of my stubbornness, I'll put it that way to be more blunt, I became more familiar with the environments without having to use the map. And in fact, I was only using the map maybe to check if I had any like random Pikmin still out there. I'm like, oh, where are they? Just so I can go grab them. But in terms of objectives, uh, only when I came back to repeat a day, uh, repeat an environment, just to scout out where the fruit were, and then I was like, that's it. I know where to go. Like I, I felt really good about knowing the lay of the land in, in that, which is funny because I see that sentiment uh, shared about another Nintendo game, Breath of the Wild. Uh, people mm. really advocating to turn off the mini map in that game and and like stop spoiling yourself by having a mini map that shows you where your objectives are. Just go into that blind and like figure out the land. I think that's maybe a little bit different because that's how big that world is. So maybe right. it was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think you're. But the maps are actually pretty expensive in Pikmin. I feel like yeah. um, the the frozen tundra area. It's like mm. there's four different massive parts of just that one area that you need to go explore. And there's caverns, and the caverns interconnect, and you go up the little uh, geyser things that shoot you up to other platforms. So yeah, they're pretty they're pretty dense levels. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think either way is fine. I I I, I, I like that for sure. But yeah, the environments, not just in terms of like design for objectives, but just how they look. Oh, I, I understand there were some people maybe a little disappointed that it didn't get a, you know, it wasn't 1080 60 or something like that running at a higher frame yeah. rate. And, I'm one of those people. And like, <laughs> I, I, I advocate for Nintendo trying to get like, shoot for better frame rates. It's kind of at the point where, especially when you're updating an older game, like you kind of need to do this. It's like, even if you're going to go 720, 60, just make it run at 60, yeah. please. Like, I would like to see that start there and go from, and go up. Um, but in terms of like visual fidelity, especially when I'm playing on a big screen, it, I, I felt it was fine. Only when I went into camera mode though, and started showing like oh. sky boxes, that was where it broke the illusion. But otherwise, the little miniature effect they're going on, like it's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids style, Absolutely. like going through, like I love that. Yeah. I thought the world was very charming, and and I loved how, I mean, for what Pikmin fans have known for a while, like how real world objects, like cell phones and stuff like that, just like that's what you're bringing in. I was like, oh man, this is oh so good. Damiani, you would you would love to, by the way. Yes, to, I was you just, just gonna go nuts say that. I'm gonna because too, especially you have the branded yeah. items as well. So there's like Duracell batteries and like <laughs> all these other weird things that show up where you're like, why is this real world brand in here? And they all have funny little quirky names. Yeah, I was just gonna say that that I feel like he's gonna love Pikmin too <laughs> when you eventually play it. Oh my god, yes. We gotta I'll do a discussion to. for that game. Play that game, Damiani. Yes. So should I get the <laughs> should I get the Wii Pull Select version that. of those? If, yes, if possible, really like good. the Wii version of, of both one and two, probably yeah. at this point. They're okay. also cheaper because GameCube games go for like quite a bit now. Mm. Um, you could probably go on eBay and find a copy of New Play Control Pikmin for like twenty bucks. Nice. So, Nintendo could also yeah. just put them on Switch as well, but you know, I would like to. That's another discussion. It's funny not to, <laughs> not to go back real quick, but it was just interesting hearing you guys talking about like the controls and mm. the way that you're playing the game. Because for me, and like even FPS and all that kind of stuff. Because for me, the only time I've even played it on like a monitor or a screen was during the launch day stream that I did. 
And every other time I played the game, I've been playing on my couch in handheld mode. Oh, and I okay. think that's a big reason why I didn't remember a lot of the stuff that was on the gamepad in the Wii U, because it was the same way for me, as I only really played in gamepad mode. Uh, as many times as possible as I could in most Wii U games, I would have something on the TV, like I'd be watching a show or something while I was playing a game on the gamepad. That was my one of my favorite things about it. So oh, yeah, I've just been sort of doing the same thing on the Switch. Roger, the, the best thing about this version for me right now, because I'm waiting for my friend to keep coming over. It's harder with the, the pandemic course, and everything. But, but like, um, I'm holding off on campaign for, for them. And uh, so in the meantime, I'm finally getting into these mission modes, which I never cared about like in the sure. original one, because it was like, I got to sit down, I got to boot up the system, and now I got to play these missions. But now it's like, I got 10 minutes to spare. Boop. You know, put it on just handheld mode and doing the mission. And it's like, this is this is what it was meant for. Oh, this yeah. Is, it's oh, eight yeah. minutes long. You can absolutely just do this in, like, a brief moment that you have. And then yeah. just move on and do something else with your day, you know? Um, so now I'm, I'm loving the mission modes. Now I'm trying to get platinums all the time. Something I never cared about. <laughs> that's just the feature that it's just inherent with, inherited because of the Switch. Yeah. You know? So it's, like, it's perfect for it. It's very Especially if you can do hand, yeah. analog and stuff. Yeah, it's been very convenient for those as well. One thing I will say, I, I did, pref I do prefer playing it on a bigger screen, just because mm. of the nature of the game. Uh, for whatever, uh, I tend to play in my Switch Lite when I play in handheld mode, and even on that slightly smaller screen, sometimes it made it a little bit too difficult to see mm. things at times. Especially the small Pikmin, uh, it's not the end of the world, but I found myself wanting to play on a screen, like a monitor or television. And it's like, oh, I want to I want to see everything in detail. But I also had no problem really playing it in handheld mode. And yeah, yeah. those those side mission ones are perfect because I think the longest I get is like 12 minutes at one point, maybe a little longer. And that's like nothing. So I, I really right. appreciate that for sure. I will say I do think this game will benefit if we do end up getting a Switch Pro in like the next year or something. This would be something that would absolutely benefit from it. Because um, I would have to imagine games that are already on Switch would just run better on if there was going to be another <laughs> Switch console, right? That's <laughs> a big theory of mine. I think I'm hoping, yeah. hope that like they get this uh, this whole Switch Pro thing out and that it kind of does a backwards compatibility with older games. And so we can finally get pikmin 3 in 1080p because yeah. there is so much detail that is so pulled back from the camera the pikmin themselves you know um yeah. i just hate to see the jaggies on something that is so like you. there's just so much going on yeah so i'm really really hoping that's the case yeah, you gotta get the cute pikmin expressions when they're doing their stuff but I'd be, <laughs> right. I think, but on the flip side when they die it's gonna be more i i hated when pikmin died like it was so that that and I, 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 yeah like that was terrifying and th th it was very like uh psychologically damaging and i'm gonna say this because it's a it, it's an old game there is something a cute thing it's supposed to be cute that they do in the ending credits there's a cute thing that's going on and then something awful happens at one point i was like oh what are you doing is this a nintendo game why would you do that a single Pikmin gets swallowed up by a monster. I was like, oh, why would so, you, you know do that? You know what's funny? Um, no. I, I, Roger, tell me you're completely different from me. But like, sure. I had the same sentiments when I played the first Pikmin game. Of course. As I, as I moved on, I was like, well, you know what? I got like another 50 in the bank. I can probably stand <laughs> to lose 20. 
<laughs> Min max. Oh You've gone to that I, level. I, I get scared every time one of them dies. And I, I feel like I want to go back and reset. The only thing is, I don't because I'm somebody who also plays Fire Emblem very classically. Where if someone dies, somebody dies, and so I'm the same way. It's like, look, if my Pikmin was meant to die here, then he's meant to die here. I'm sorry. You're like, I'm not gonna try again. Oh, I guess um, this is where, yeah, this is where my biases come out. Yeah, you know yeah. me, Roger Fire Emblem. I, I will not on. let anyone die. I will redo sorry. the whole mission. If I'm one step for victory, and that's where exactly. they died. I'm like, nope, we're going back to the beginning. What you should have done, you should have named all your Pikmin it's, as the yeah. Fire Emblem characters. Like, sorry, Lysithia, here you go. Sorry, <laughs> I would <laughs> never finish. Pikmin would have taken me like 100 plus hours to beat oh, a, like, a 13 hour game. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but some of those, some of the enemy designs, we're going to talk about like enemies in this oh, game amazing. and bosses. Some of them are really, like, to me, were terrifying. What was the one, like, furry spider-looking orb thing? It's, like, it's like yeah. on the ground, it just raises its four legs, and it's got, like, this drooping hair from its body. And you get to send the pigment up the legs to, like, I was like, oh, this <laughs> these creatures are, like, the bird with the heart mouth. I was like, okay, yes. so, this is horrifying. So, so far, Roger, you noticed that so far he's describing all the ones from, like, the first two games? Right, right. Like, I think that the I think the enemy designs that they made for the new one is a little more cartoony. Yeah. Um, like the bosses, all the bosses are brand new, and you can sure. kind of see like they have like these kind of like almost cartoony eyes on most of them and stuff. But the ones, the burrowing snagret, um, what is Love that? Him. What was the one that he just described though? The beady long legs? Is uh, that what it is? Well, beady long legs isn't that the one? That's not the one that has the hair, is it? No, well, there's I like two. I, I think it's of the same subspecies though. There was a variation of it. The bulbs and stuff like that too. So, yeah. yeah. So, like, those ones came out in the first two games, and, like, those ones especially try to give you that vibe of, like, oh, my God, nature's scary, man. And uh, yes, <laughs> so yes. the, the, the enemy designs kind of reflect that, absolutely. And I'm glad that they came back, because, yeah, those, yeah, without that charm, it's like, what is Pikmin at that point, you know? It's got to be a little creepy. Some, there are some horrifying villains in 3, though. Like, some of the, the enemies that you fight, there's the giant armored centipede thing you fight right at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. The first time that yeah. it charges at you and snatches up all your Pikmin, it was horrifying. <laughs> um, I also really like, like, the little crawfish thing that comes out of the ground. It mm. looks like, like a crawfish mixed with the centipede thing. You know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about? Or oh, yeah. There's, like, all the babies sprout out when you go to its lair <laughs> for the first time. And then the giant one comes in and you hear, bum, 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 dun, 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 dun. He just <laughs> jumps out of the hole and starts eating everybody. And uh, and then, of course, like, I, I won't say where it happens in the game, but the weird golden blob thing where you're like this is coming out of nowhere what the heck is this yeah Damn. things do tend to get a little bit more abstract near the end of the game but it's funny because it still matches the charm of pikmin so yeah i agree I, yeah i i do want to say one thing as much as i love this game and i didn't part of the stress was just the fun of playing it for the first time and like seeing this stuff and like just being amazed and in awe at the wonders of this game the vibe certainly changes with the final mission. Sure. I, one, I think it didn't go down as well for me because I didn't know it was the final mission. I thought there's going to be more after this. I'm like, oh, this we're, we're going to complete this objective and there's going to probably be a little bit more after. Now that I get it was the finale, I understand why it was being what it was, which to me was extremely stressful. I'm joking about a lot of the stuff we've been I played beforehand. It was fun. It was all fun and games and like it was enjoyable. I think the final challenge uh, for the main story, uh, it was a little bit frustrating, but it was the mo it was a genuinely stressful. 
I was. Yeah, it's like good that they put that at the very end. Then you know, yeah. it's like you're, right. you're already there. You might as well finish it off. Yeah, yeah. I, I was so scared about the consequences because they didn't explain to me. I'm like, wait a second, because one of the rules is if you're not back, if Pikmin aren't safely back by the the ships and in your control, you lose them. And in this right. situation, you aren't at your ship. And I'm like, wait a second. Are we all dead? Like I was, I was like, is this my game over? Or do I get my first game over here? What is going on? Then I was like, wait, am I going to restart the whole? Pro I was like freaking out. My, I was losing my mind. And then once it, once it happened, and then like the day ended and went to the next day, it's like you're fine. I was like, oh my gosh, why did you just tell me this up front? I'm so freaking out. <laughs> As somebody who oh played it God. for the first time, I got to ask you, though, there's two things mm -hmm. moving away kind of from the final challenge, just in general, though, because I do think it sort of colors the way that you see that final mission is one. I, I heard you bring up a couple times that you were always scared to, like, get the Pikmin that are lost on the map. You know about the thing where you go to the Drake and yeah. you assemble them all there. Right? Use okay. that. Because yeah. that, was, that was something that was not in Pikmin 3 in the Wii U. They added that for this deluxe oh. version. Oh, I didn't know that. I find myself using it all the time now. To okay. the point where it's almost like a crutch I where I'm like, I always go back to try to summon the ones that are lost. Um, so that was just something I was curious about if you already knew about that mm -hmm. from the game when you were playing through it for the first time. And then the other thing as well is how did you play it in terms of like managing your fruit? Were you somebody who always wanted to have a giant backlog of juice or were you somebody that sort of went day by day? So I didn't intend, again, remember I played on normal, so a little bit easier sure, sure. than what you're used to. Uh, I didn't intend to build up a huge stockpile, but I always had a minimum of a few days just by default. Cool. For the last half of the game, like the last like handful of missions, I, I think I topped out at like 37 days worth of like supplies, like fruit left. So I was like, I mean, obviously something happens where you, you have to have to do something about that. But in general, I was not even worrying about it. it was It was just, gotcha. oh, it's for completion's sake. And plus, I love seeing the names of those fruit. I was like, I gotta get a new one to see what they're calling them. Because whoever came up with these names, like Zest bomb. you are a genius. Yeah. Whoever came up with these names, like, get a Again, raise, pick please. Pick me too, man. You have to check that one out. <laughs> so good. You're gonna love it. Uh, You're gonna love to. Gotta try it oh, out. Um, so yeah, I hope anyone who's listening or watching this, uh, if you were like me, who maybe has kind of slept on the Pikmin series uh, for almost twenty years now, that's been around. You maybe should try giving this one a shot. Uh, so you two would probably agree that this... You said two is kind of your favorite, still, she says. But for a newcomer, would you think three might be the best entry point for someone? 100% three yeah. is the, the best entry point. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about continuity. Clearly, you know, I'm sure you enjoyed it just fine. Mm -hmm. And, um, it like, again, they do so many quality of life improvements to make sure that your experience is not stressful as it minimizes it as much as possible yeah so go, go in with three get acclimated to the series and then go back there's no problem doing that and you're, yeah. you're going to find yourself with that added knowledge that you have on the series in general enjoying those first two games a whole lot more so i wouldn't even recommend you start with two i think two you should be something you work up to right, and absolutely. Uh, yeah start with three for sure yeah, if you go, in fact, going backwards might be the right way about it because you're used to, you know, jumping between the different captains. And so when you get to two and you have Olimar and Louis, it's something you're kind of already acclimated to for bits and pieces of it. You know, you'll, you'll kind of already understand the mechanics. You'll get the introduction of a couple new Pikmin, having known everything that you learned in three. And then you end with the original where it's like, you have 30 days. Good luck. You're the by challenge. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, 
so Pikmin three, it seems to be uh, uh, it seems to be doing well from the early reports in terms of sales. I hope so. Um, I hope so too. And it, it's done pretty decently in the reviews, but it is also a game that was a port. Um, we to switch ports have been kind of like to put the old cliche mixed bag in terms of people being upset about you know the price them being full price blah 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 that whole you know that whole old ordeal but sure. it kind of makes me think about the future of pikmin because this was while this was a deluxe version we technically we have not had a brand new original traditional pikmin game since 2013 that was like hey pikmin was a spin-off correct it wasn't yeah. like this so 2013 so it's going to be next year would be eight years we're approaching the same nine year gap between two and yeah. three yeah we do know that four was in the works from interviews we we, we had a we had an interview in uh 2015 i believe from Eurogamer. Uh, tom phillips did a interview in july with miyamoto that confirmed that pikmin 3 is in development very close to completion back then and then over the, and then over yeah. the years they kept getting updates miyamoto kept saying as late as 2017 at e3 saying pikmin 4 still progressing but kind of after that it's gone silent so i have a patron question here from garrett yeah. What do you think happened to Pikmin 4? Do you think it got canceled? Uh, or do you think it would get canceled if this port underperforms? Like, do you think this port has any bearing on the future no. of Pikmin? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that one first. Absolutely not. Because if you look at any sort of Nintendo merchandise in recent years, Pikmin is still up there with their biggest selling series. you got Animal Crossing, Mario, Zelda, Pokemon. And then for whatever reason, if you go to the Nintendo Tokyo store or you look on the website, even on the early pictures of the theme park, there are Easter eggs of Pikmin there. It's one of those franchises that because Miyamoto touched it, I feel like it's sort of going to get the Star Fox syndrome in which they're going to keep trying until it finally works and it might yeah. take a while for them to develop the next one but it's interesting you brought up that Miyamoto thing about how he said Pikmin 4 was in development literally dating back to 2015 this is back when he said the first two games that were in development for NX were what would eventually become Mario Odyssey and then Pikmin 4 and going back to what you said earlier with Chris Kohler, I was literally at that E3 in that development roundtable during the Wii era where he asked, when are we going to get Pikmin 3? And Miyamoto said, it's in development for the Wii. But what ended up happening? We got Wii U. It came out within the first year of Wii U. With all these rumors we're hearing about regarding a Switch Pro, us even talking about how this is a series that would really benefit from that added fidelity, I could almost see them sort of dropping this teasing, hey, look, you ever want to get in the Pikmin franchise, just like she says, this is the best time to do it. There's all these quality of life features. Get yourself introduced to it, so then when we come out with 4 to launch alongside, you know, the first year of the Switch Pro, you'll be ready for it. Yeah. I think, um, I, I mean, I do agree with a lot of things you said. One of the things I will say, though, I do think that, hey, Pikmin was kind of like a, oh, let's put out a different game, maybe people will take that. It bombed. Um, yes. And I think that this port coming out before a Pikmin 4 is a sign of like, uh, let's let's put our best foot forward with 3. Maybe it came out at the wrong time. Maybe there are a couple of things that really would have sold the game a little bit more like co-op and stuff like that. Let's make this the best it can be and see how they react to this. And, um, you know, the fact that we still haven't gotten it yet is a little concerning to me. I do hope that a Switch Pro is just basically what we're waiting on at this point because the Pikmin franchise could definitely benefit from it. But I do think that I like to call it the Cheers effect. There was this show mm -hmm. called Cheers, very short history on it. It was a it bombed at first. And the producer, I'm sorry, the president of the company 
that uh, aired the show loved it so much that he was like, no, we're going to keep airing it until it works. And then eventually it caught on and become one of the biggest things. And I think that's what's going on internally at Nintendo too, yes. where there's probably business analysts that are like, this is not performing as well as some other things, and it's costing this much to make it. So is it really worth it? And I think that Miyamoto is probably like, I have a lot of faith in this. We just got to keep going at it. I think eventually it's, the conversation is going to get to a point where people finally start to recognize that this is a franchise worth investing themselves into. Absolutely. And so the fact that we got Pikmin 3 Deluxe, I think may have been a compromise, and I hope that people do take to it. And I, again, I want to be wrong on this discussion right now. I don't want to say that Roger's 100% right, and they're just waiting for the next console no matter what. But sure. for me, I guess I'm a little more pessimistic, and I do not want to say this, but I, hope, I think maybe, maybe um, Pikmin 3 is an indicator for whether or not they want to do the finishing touches on four and eventually finally get that out to people. Man. I hope. But either way, I think that Miyamoto has been definitely like speaking up for the series oh, all absolutely. along. I mean, even if yeah. you look at the lead up to Hey Pikmin, where they did the little um, shorts that have now been mm -hmm. re-released in HD on the Nintendo YouTube channel, where Miyamoto developed these little short videos of the Pikmin hanging out with Olimar. Like, it was funny, Damiani was talking about how, you know, it was horrifying seeing these little Pikmin eaten. It's like, you should watch some of these shorts where Olimar <laughs> is making carrot shakes, and he's got the blood of the Pikmin in his teeth, and the Pikmin are freaking out. It's like, <laughs> they get pretty dark, so I would highly recommend them. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm right there with you right is I, I think this is something that he's going to continue to push until it finally ends up working um i think unlike Star Fox, every single game in the pikmin franchise outside of hey pikmin which again was a spinoff has been critically acclaimed whereas you know recent reboots of Star Fox have been pretty much a mixed bag since Star Fox adventures on the gamecube so it is one of those things where i do feel like if the critics still like it and people still are enjoying it the people who have actually given the series a chance then it might still have a little bit of hope left yeah yeah i i feel like Star Fox is in a worse spot than pikmin honestly For sure. pikmin yeah. would have a better chance to to make that jump into uh jump in the sense of uh i don't know if it necessarily agree with you roger that they're waiting on the next iteration of the switch it might just happen and that's just the timing it might not be oh, the yeah. impetus for it i think a lot of franchises have seen a, a really nice revival on the switch uh franchises have gone their fair you know due finally where they get the recognition they get the sales and now they are you know primed to be huge franchises going forward I mean, sure. these, these series that have sold a decent amount, like Animal Crossing is now, like, probably one of their biggest IPs. After yeah. how it's done this year, they have to treat it like one of their biggest IPs. And, but even smaller things, like, you know, the, the most recent Mar Mario Tennis Aces, uh, that was the one that came out on Switch, right? I forget the, the subtitle of it. Whatever yeah. the one yeah. that came out, I, I never reviewed it, so I feel bad. But uh, it, it sales-wise, it did, it, did it did much better. Super Mario Party, also... Paper Mario we, just recently. Paper Mario, did. the Oregon King, fastest selling. Paper so, like, these Mario series. Almost 3 million, yeah. So, I feel like if it was there ever a time, it's like within the next few years, is this window of Switch being a phenomenon. I think they need to capitalize and get that Pikmin 4 out there. Yeah. I think that's the thing. If Pikmin 4 just does not do better than any of the previous iterations on Switch with the momentum it has. That is probably a, like a, a cause for pause. It's like, mm, yeah. okay, maybe there's something up here where this is never going to be a big franchise. We need to reevaluate it. But otherwise, I think, but I personally think it could do very well. I, I think a lot of new people could be drawn to it. It does very well sales wise. It beats their expectations. And as you said, they've been putting Pikmin in a lot more things lately. I think it is. I I, I'm, I feel like I'm a little bit more optimistic that Pikmin Four will happen. 
Um, whether or not it will be six, and it's it's prime for its best chance to succeed. I, but you know, never say never. It is Nintendo. You know, I if you knew, if everyone knew what Nintendo was actually thinking, you know, you'd be a genius and everyone would listen to you and stuff. But like, no one really does. It's yeah. they do what they want. So I can easily see, like as you said, she says like. If Pikmin 3 Deluxe, just they say oh, globally it underperformed, and you know we just don't really see the viability of going forward. I can easily see them like next E3 or whenever E3 comes back, whatever the heck comes back. Miyamoto saying, unfortunately, it's been you know shelved and it's no longer in development. I, that wouldn't shock yeah. me. It disappoint me, but it wouldn't shock me at this point either. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I don't see any world though in which Miyamoto would outright say that a Pikmin <laughs> game is canceled. I think this would be a situation like what was a. Uh, what was the GameCube one, Marionette or something, where it was like the Mario puppet game with 120 Marios? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, this yeah, was like yeah, an old, yeah. Like, oh yeah, this game's coming. Mario 128. Don't worry. They, yeah, yeah. And for years and years and years, oh. if you looked under like the Pack Attack thing in Nintendo Power, it's like, yeah, still coming for GameCube at some point. <laughs> Mario 128 and Marionette. It it's exists. Like, oh, I don't it's think still coming. So. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Mother 64. Right. <laughs> or right. 64. Found 64. That uh, yeah, when that uh, that 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 leak of all that uh, those codes and stuff, the source oh, yeah. material. That was what I was hoping for. It's like, is there anything about? Mother Earth around 64 in there? No? Okay, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> but regarding Pikmin 4, I have another question for both of you from our patron yeah. Jeremy. Pikmin 3 is essentially a middle ground between the game design of the first two games. What direction would you want a possible Pikmin 4 to take? Should they go back to Pikmin 2's dungeons, a tighter time limit like in the original game, or a different idea entirely? So here's, here's what I would love to see for Pikmin 4. I think that one thing that people are often intimidated by, and I also think it was a bit antiquated with three, um, they didn't manage a way to kind of reincorporate it, but I do think that we can move away from it now, is the the day cycle. Um, I think mm. that maybe we can work in a hard mode where a day cycle is still present. Um, you know, me and Roger can absolutely jump into that. But I think like it, the next logical step for Pikmin to become even bigger and better than it was before is to, instead of going from location to location, have a like kind of like a giant you know metroid like maze like it just keeps going and you can mm. like bring the you can bring the ship as a checkpoint to various areas oh, and you can nice. revisit but you're you have to reach those points first mm. before you can make those checkpoints and mm. stuff you're, um, you're talking like Hollow Knight Pikmin, and my entire body is just like, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, would that be good. Oh, we're all on the same page here. Awesome. Yeah, I think that that would be amazing. And I think, obviously, uh, the big, big thing, if Nintendo really wants to get the, this franchise out there, the thing that's going to cause it to get, um, you know, to go viral is to have online functionality for the story yes. mode. If you can have people stream it together, you know, talking about it, constantly keeping in the conversation then you have a successful game at that point and i think that that's definitely got to be the biggest focus of all for them if they don't have it at four i don't know what they're thinking at the, i mean they, they figured out they at least need to co-op with three deluxe you know what's the next step it's online you have to do it yeah i think if they really want it to succeed here's what you do right you know how among us you're on a ship and want to use an imposter, and there's all the other people that are on this spaceship, let's just, let's do an Among Us Pikmin mashup, right? Where then if the crew wins, you land safely in a new area. If the imposter wins, the ship crashes, you got 30 days to get back. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Yeah. No, that's my, that's my joke. There's the collaboration. So my, actual, <laughs> my, my actual answer is I think 
they should really focus on online multiplayer. I still think that is something that is heavily slept on. People who work at Nintendo who tweet constantly about how good the multiplayer is, all these are the people that are hardcore fans of Pikmin. Everyone universally agrees the multiplayer is really good, but the thing that's keeping people from playing it is not having good online functionality. I think if they were to make, even if it was something as simple as taking the multiplayer out of Pikmin 3 Deluxe and putting it for free on Nintendo Switch Online to just get people into it, I really feel like the series could blow up. And I would be right there with you, she says. I think if they did like online multiplayer for the actual story mode itself and you could stream it with other people, that'd be fantastic. But when they already have such a good multiplayer component, why not continue along that path? I mean, Make a multiplayer-only one for all I care. I really, so long as more people get to play it and it's got good online functionality, I'm going to be happy. Yeah. That's I, a good idea. Yeah. You both put it per pretty well. I That's all I can think of, honestly, is just, you know, getting online functionality there. Um, for the co-op, absolutely. I think it's a missed opportunity and would be a massive, you know, oversight if it's not in yeah. four. Um, I think there's also still some potential, like, I mean, Bingo Battle, I haven't tried it. Yeah. It looked fun to watch, at least, when I watched the Treehouse Live clip of it. There, There is some potential there for other types of modes. I mean, even competitive-type modes for Pikmin uh, that may potentially could thrive if you had online functionality for that as Absolutely. well. You know, I wouldn't mind watching some potentially matches for that. But, you know, whatever it is, yeah, I agree with you. They need to have online there from for Pikmin 4. Heck, it'd be amazing if they could patch it into Pikmin 3 Deluxe someday, but I don't oh, hold my breath great. for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you do get all the DLC yeah. from Pikmin 3 on Wii yeah. U, though, in Deluxe, which is great. That's nice. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was thinking of, too, um, that she says brought up earlier with Pikmin 2 is, uh, man, I wish they would bring back the branded items because, like you <laughs> said, the names of the fruits are so cute that I feel like when you do go back and you play Pikmin 2 and you see the names of, like, the Duracell battery and things like that that we keep bringing up, I would love to see more of that in a future game as well to really, like, go deep into the lore legitimately because the idea of crash landing on a planet that may or may not be Earth, that some apocalypse happened and now all, there's all these leftover things, like, what happened there? I would love to deep dive into that. Um uh, and I think there's just a lot of really cool story possibilities. There's, uh, I would love that, absolutely. I mean, it's it's the way that the game can pay for itself. You get all these sponsors hmm. to go in yeah. and just kind of like, you know, fund it, get their product in the game. And it works. It's organic and it doesn't make us cringe. You know, it's like exactly. product placement done right. Um, yeah. But I <laughs> also new environments. Like this is clearly some type of reinterpretation of Earth, right? We'll, yeah. we'll see things that like humans have left behind. I'm fine with the idea of finally exploring new areas where there's maybe more of an urban environment, you know, mm. like a sidewalk or something like that, so you know, cool. let's get into it. You know, it's like we, we don't need the same foresty areas every single game. It's nice. We can start there, but let's get somewhere even further. Let's let's see something new. Like We've seen hints of it with like the uh, mission maps and stuff like that or sure. the caves in Pikmin 2, as bizarre as those were. But, um, you know, if you have like an organic um intentional environment that starts that starts to go into like uh human living uh you know or at least evidence of it I, that would thrill me to death that would be something new fresh and interesting for the environments again working that maybe that aspect this is definitely like fanboy uh wish list but you know working that aspect where you can start from one location and get all the way to the end that would be really nice and make it even so that um night does come and you can stay on the planet at night and it just becomes more hostile and nice. maybe you just have yeah. to be awesome. like a breath of the yes. wild and like find cover or something hide somewhere and i I'm think that'd be you, so cool you bringing that up 
works so perfectly with the other thing you brought up as well of like these different environments and maybe more urban areas because you could use the excuse of well you're in a city right cities thrive at night there's lights on different things change it'd be the type of thing that the animals the other beasts and stuff wouldn't go attack you at night because they're just as scared as that of that city environment as you are i think that idea of like exploring an abandoned tokyo or something with pikmin where you're seeing everything to scale would be incredible some type of urban pikmin game it's not even something I considered before, but it's something I think would work fantastically for the system. For I mean, for the uh, for the series itself, and I think could really benefit from like the added graphical capability and stuff of the system. So yeah, I'm I'm all here for it. Do it, Nintendo. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Near Automata. Pikmin. Oh. No. <laughs> Man, you want those collaborations? Yeah, Among Us into Near. Yeah. That's it. That's it. There you yeah, go. Yeah. I will say one cool thing for collect on the collectible end. You're talking about the branded stuff. Uh, a nice uh, Nintendo Easter eggs they could throw in is just ripping off from what uh, Astro's Playroom's doing on uh, PlayStation Five. Uh, a lot of the collectibles you get in that game are old, like controllers, systems, like UMD discs. Like play, it's PlayStation's history. It'd be kind of cool if like the Zapper or the Power Pad or like you start coming across Rocky stuff. Like, I'll two for you. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then, you know, I was like, I kind of like change. I'm going to, in my mind, I'm going to judge their reactions because this might be in there already, but you never know. <laughs> I mean, they can even go like more cryptic, like get some like uh, old yeah. Club Nintendo reward stuff. Like this, like long Amiibo. You, you have Amiibos? to put yourself on a camera yes. when you're playing too because I, I think oh you're going to fall gosh. in love with it. Yeah, you should yeah. totally stream it. it. Oh, I don't man. have to do that. All right. Well, Pikmin 4, Some that, those are great ideas. That makes me really excited for the possibilities of Pikmin 4. We'll see if Nintendo uh, still has that game in the works. You know, no idea. You know, we'll see. But uh, I want to move on to, uh, we got some questions from our patrons for our mailbag segment this week. Uh, a few questions here. First one comes from Karaz. Hey, allies, and our special guest. Age of Calamity, the Age of Calamity demo is a neat take on the Breath of the Wild universe, and the demo really seemed to nail the aesthetic. Cadence of Hyrule also nailed a more Zelda at large aesthetic with a very with very good presentation. Do you think Nintendo's current day leadership is more open to giving its IP to third parties for development? And if so, what are some takes on classic franchises you would like to see? Didn't have necessarily be Zelda. They kind of leaned in there with the Zelda stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I think the sky's the limit here. I think, you know, this is one they've mentioned time and time again that they wanted to try it. And I think the studio would literally be the perfect one for it. I don't know why they haven't done it yet. Give Star Fox to Platinum. I don't <laughs> know why that has not happened yet. Kamiya even put that extra little bonus Star Fox mission thing in one of the Bayonetta games. Do it. Why? Yep. They're basically working for Nintendo right now anyway with Wonderful 101 and Bayonetta. Just go all out. Give them Star Fox. I really think they could do something interesting with it. Well, I, uh, Roger? <laughs> the, the, uh, Star Fox Zero was developed by Platinum Games. Well, well, that's a whole other topic for debate. We've talked about this. It was developed by Platinum Games with a lot of oversight from Miyamoto. Okay. I, don't yeah, I got you now. Okay. I mean, literally give it to them. Do not have Miyamoto put in the gamepad controls, whatever. I, People always say I'm a huge fanboy of Nintendo, whatever. I still, to this day, say that I absolutely despise Star Fox Zero. That is the nail oh, in the man. coffin to me yeah. for that franchise. I feel like with all the added motion controls and stuff that really didn't need to be there, rebooting the franchise again, stepping away from what already made it good with all the soap opera stuff, I just, 
it really bummed me out. And I really do feel like if they gave Platinum full reign over Star Fox, it would not turn out like Star Fox Zero. Yeah, I get what mm -hmm. you're saying because like it would, yeah. it would actually be really fancy. Like it, there's a little fancifulness uh, with Star Fox Zero, and you can tell that that's Platinum getting a little bit of their way. They right. kind of push the needle a little bit towards their direction. Um, if they had full reign and do the absolute insanity that they do with a lot of their other games, but with space combat, right. it would be amazing. Yeah, I agree. Um, Especially because if you go back, the thing that was good about Star Fox Zero was the, the combat. Like when you're on some of the, the little planets and you're fighting Star Wolf and you have the Morrow Galaxy thing where you're actually going around and using gravity and stuff, that was really cool. Like those aspects of Zero I thought really worked. It was that the controls, in my opinion, were really working against the game. And I feel like, again, that was due in part to all the different extra things that Miyamoto wanted to do with it. I don't really think Platinum would have said, you know what, yeah, let's add in all these extra gamepad controls and things. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're 100%. You could tell yeah. who was the one defending all of that. Right, like when right. there was the developer interviews and stuff like that, Miyamoto was like, oh, it's great. It's When you play, it's going to be great. And the Platinum mm. guys are like, well, you know. Well, maybe. we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think. Um, you know, putting it on the spot, really, I guess it would be really cool to see from software do a Zelda game. I don't know. Because I, I could definitely, I'd love to see a great shakeup for the franchise. And, of course, you still got to work in the dungeons. You still got to work in, you know, um, the, uh, what's it called? The special abilities, the, you know, the tools that Link gets from um, the area to area. No, not the runes. Oh, no. sorry, sorry. Um, uh... Equipment. Um, but, like, put that in the... the the style of a From Software game, maybe mm. not one-to-one, -one, but, you know, yeah. like kind of have a good middle ground between the two. I think that would be really cool. Because, I mean, they got this whole exploration thing down with the Dark Souls series, and, I don't know, just having a fresh pair of eyes on the Zelda series uh, while still trying to maintain the core gameplay would be really interesting to me. I, was, yeah. was clearly, we've already kind of experimented that with that with Breath of the Wild, and that was a lot of fun. I just want to see that again with somebody, you know, even more different, I guess. That would be fun. Yeah. I do think, thinking of... Um you know, other developers that can maybe do something cool. I've just been playing Hades for the first time mm. over the course of the past couple of weeks. And with all the mythology stuff, I was thinking, man, a Kid Icarus roguelike would be pretty sick. <laughs> oh, I was going to say. <laughs> <That'd be awesome. laughs> I was going to say, Nintendo kind of maybe missed the boat with uh, their collaborations with Ubisoft on uh, missing out on Immortals, Phoenix Rising. Ah, with, right, uh, right, right. Not, not trying to get in on that and saying, hey, would you, if we give you uh, Kid Icarus IP, would you make this exclusive to Switch or something? Ubisoft's probably like, nah, there's too much money to be made on the other platforms. But uh, as someone who's played that game, I was like, man, this is like, Kid Icarus? Like, yeah. Nintendo, sorry, you missed the boat on this. I don't know what else you're going to do now. But yeah, that's a good suggestion, actually. Make it like a roguelike like Hades, you know. Yeah. All right, I got I got one. All, All right. right, here's a good one for me. Um, Earthbound remake done by Square Enix, the, the side that did the, um, what's it called? Uh, the Enix side, essentially. The Dragon Quest sure. guys. Oh, okay. That'd be good. Oh. Yeah. I would uh, that's not that. the direction. That's not the direction I thought you were going in. Because I was going to be like, "I'll do you one better, Peppy old pal. Give Earthbound <laughs> the rights to the entire series. Give it to Toby Fox. I think Toby perfect Fox uh... would do such a good <laughs> job with the Mother franchise. I think the humor, <laughs> even the look of the game itself, he could just knock it out of the park. And yes. Undertale originally started as a mod of Earthbound, didn't it? So come full circle. Yep. 
Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, make that happen, Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, he's already got the right idea. He's already mingling with Nintendo. I've actually right. posted really dumb theories on Twitter that, like, Nintendo's kind of bringing him into the fold a little bit just to eventually get him to that point, testing him out, so. having conversations with him, and just seeing if he's capable of doing it. But, <laughs> man, that would be great. Mother 4, Toby Fox directed, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm sure cool. that Hidui would be fine with it, too. I just thought of another one, too. Team yeah. Cherry Metroid. <laughs> Hollow Knight. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, ooh, yeah. Give me that some would be stuff. that mm. would be a dream. I know people throw out Yacht Club Games as well for them for for doing like oh, a yeah. Metroid as well, yeah, or yeah. even yeah. like Way Forward. But man, if you could get Team Cherry, I'm yeah. I would probably pick Team Cherry of, of as the top for that. Man, yeah. yeah. Hollow Knight is something else, and. uh Silk Song is definitely one of my most anticipated titles. I can't wait. Can't wait for that one. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, in general, though, to uh, for my part to give chime in on this question, I do think Nintendo has been way more receptive to allowing other companies to work with their their IPs. We've seen you, the examples you gave, even like Mario uh, Mario and Rabbit's Kingdom Battle, like that was like a fantastic thing. Lending lending Star Fox to Starlink for the Switch version, and like, kind of sure, like sure. putting that in there as well. Um, I, I feel like, if anything, I don't know who I'd want to do it, but I feel like the series, the besides Earthbound Mother, actually, I think the next series I think needs to be handed off to someone else to give it a, a try. Someone at Sega, someone at the arcade team, or you know the, the racing development team, is F, yes. give F Zero back to them. Oh, like I, I, yeah, I want F Zero back, and I, I, I just don't F Zero GX and AX. I play the arcade version. Like I just don't know how you get much better than that. That's like the direction it needs to be. Just yeah, hand it back over. Rockstar Games with F Zero. Rockstar. <laughs> Rockstar. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> Focus that on trailer. the hunting. Get the racing in there. That, that <laughs> game was that trailer, man. That like movie stuff. Wasn't there a rumor like a long time ago of like Mock Rider Unchained or something developed by Rockstar? Am I am I going crazy? <laughs> Mock Rider, Rider Unchained. No, wasn't that a thing? I right? forget. It was like the Mock Rider character. And, uh, oh, I, I could have sworn. I got to look it up. I'm sure somebody in the comments will point it out. But it was like yeah, Mock Rider Unchained or something. Was something that was rumored uh, years ago that obviously never happened because who in a million years would think Rockstar would know about a Rider game? <laughs> hey, I've never well, heard that rumor, but I, I love it. I wish it was true. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I love those crazy ones, the ones that have never come to fruition, like the right. uh, Star Fox Grand Prix, Metroid right. Cross Star Fox game. Like That's how many? Right. How many? Of these, the, yeah, these crazy ones always come. And I'm like, I want to see this because remember Mario and Rabbids? It was like. Oh, this is going to be horrible and stuff. And everything about on paper sounded bad. Sure. But then it looked amazing. I was like, okay, we were wrong. So all the things that sound terrible, crazy, I'm like, no, let's see these. These are probably going to be amazing. Yeah. It, it's really weird that Nintendo doesn't really like to cross-mingle the franchises outside of Smash Brothers. Like sure. a fo Star Fox slash Metroid game or uh, F-Zero slash Star Fox game. Mm -hmm. Th those, like, take two IPs that are a little bit weaker than the Mario and Zelda uh, hierarchy and like bring them together to sure. you know conjoin the fan bases and you know make a product that exposes both. That would be cool. Um, and I, I think it would just be exciting to see in general. I don't know. It's it's weird that Nintendo doesn't really seem to do that. But I will say this: I do love that Nintendo's starting to pass out stuff like Star Fox to companies like Ubisoft because like before that there was like this huge period of time where Nintendo was like, no, sure, we'll we'll, we'll play a game. You can have Mario. You can have Link. And it was like Link, Mario, Mario, Link, mostly Mario. And it's like, you guys have, everybody knows Mario. 
Like, if you're going to, like, throw a Nintendo franchise in with a established franchise as a guest character, make it one of your lesser IPs. Make right, it so that, like, you know, you're getting a little bit of back and forth as far as what how beneficial this is to you, yeah. you know? And um, it's clear that cross-pollination of these franchises helps. I mean, to the point where Nintendo even called it out in that recent commercial for the re-release of the original Fire Emblem game. The commercial starts with the kid being like, who the hell are Marth and Roy? Like, what game are they from? <laughs> yep. it's literally the and they're like, oh, yeah, you don't know them from Fire Emblem? And that is the first time that most of us in North America found out about those characters. It was through Smash Brothers. So I think those type of collaborations, like you said, throwing in a guest character from a lesser known franchise could really help people understand like, oh yeah, this is something I really do want in the near future. So. Yeah. Did I, you guys I'm know, on. did you guys know that we almost had Samus in, um, oh, what's it called? It was another Metroid-like game, Axiom Verge. Oh. That almost oh. happened. They they were like, yes, they. I believe they were in the talks and they were very excited about the idea. And then somebody, threw up the red tape and was like, mm, no, because now that people might buy it as a Metroid game and we don't want that. So, uh, yeah. I thought you were going to say uh, Marvel. But again, they've been a lot more too. loose lately, which is good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, 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 I'm glad that they're, they're being, you know, more forthcoming to that stuff. Yeah. Our, our next question comes from Mo. Uh, hey, everyone. With Age of Calamity around the corner, I was wondering, what do you think the future of the high, uh, what do you think about the future of the Hyrule Warriors series? Do you think Nintendo will continue exploring different battles from other points in Zelda's history, i.e. the Ceiling War from a link to, before A Link to the Past, or the Civil War from before Ocarina of Time? Or do you think they'll use this format for future uh, wars we haven't heard about? Alternatively, do you think they'll step away from the Hyrule Warriors brand altogether? I was surprised when we got a sequel to it all, so I could... So I could then stop uh, uh, to it all. So I could see them stopping after this one. But depending on how well it sells, they'll probably want to keep making more. As always, keep up the great work, love, and respect. I think that, uh, first of all, I think that it would be amazing if they did stuff like with the Ocarina of Time aesthetic. Because that was actually kind of the thing that I was just thinking about with Hyrule Warriors. It's a great idea to do a large-scale battle with something that was referenced so many times in uh, Breath of the Wild. Uh, my only gripe is that I'm not a huge fan of the aesthetic of Breath of the Wild. And I was thinking to myself, like, man, it would have been so much better now that I'm thinking about it if they, like, went back to the Ocarina of Time universe and did stuff with that. Because I'm, I'm like, in love with that world. And, like, if we could get, like, large-scale battles with that, you know, part of Zelda's history, I would love that. Personally, though, I don't see themselves dipping that far deep into the honeypot. I think that probably the next logical step is to take a different Nintendo franchise and start working with that. You know, I, they've already done it with Fire Emblem at this point. Now they've done Zelda twice, and they had a good reason to go back to it with Zelda this time around. But I think now they're probably going to pick another one to just kind of move on to. I just can't... I could see a Hyrule Warriors too, maybe, um, but like I just don't, I don't see the the former, and I much I could definitely see a different franchise a lot better than any of those uh, yeah. ideas. Yeah, that was something actually Chico brought up during uh, my preview of Age of Calamity a couple days ago. Chico from Chi House had mentioned that the reason they went back to the Hyrule Warriors branding was due to the fact that because the Age of Calamity, right, the war that was set up in Breath of the Wild, was something that wasn't really foretold in the original. Breath of the Wild game, like, you know that it happened, but you don't get all the details of, you know, who died when or what happens when. It was the kind of thing they actually wanted to go back and fill in the gap and have this canon story 
to the actual original Breath of the Wild game to both flesh out that. And also they figured, well, the Hyrule Warriors idea of these large scale battles is perfect for this other giant war that we know nothing about in the series. So unless like another future Zelda game does have this giant unknown war, um, I don't think we're probably gonna get another Hyrule Warriors game for a while. And I think one thing I actually really do like about this one compared to the first one is the first one was kind of all over the place with the characters, right? You had characters from Wind Waker in there and pretty much all the other Zelda games that were thrown in with one semi-cohesive art style, but it still didn't feel like a real story. This one does. I mean, this looks, I don't know if it's on the Breath of the Wild engine or a Warriors engine or whatever, but it looks like Breath of the Wild. And I think that is one of the big things that's selling me on it. Um, as for what the future of the Warriors franchises could be, I mean, I am right there with you. I think they're going to give another franchise a chance. I think maybe like a Dreamland Warriors or a Mario Warriors or something that's a lot more family friendly. Um, I could see them doing that. Uh, I could also, considering how successful Fire Emblem Three Houses was, I could actually see them doing a sequel to Fire Emblem Warriors with the Three Houses characters. And, you know, there's all these rumors of maybe they'll end up being another remake game, how there's always like a mainline game and a remake game. And it's sort of been that for the past few Fire Emblems that are the mainline games. I could mm -hmm. see them maybe remaking one of the older games and having the focus for this next Fire Emblem Warriors being the Three Houses cast and the primary cast of whatever game ends up getting remade. Um, mm -hmm. But we would just have to wait and see. Yeah, Pikmin Warriors. <laughs> right. <laughs> you got. You got. You, you take the control of a bull barb and you have to fight off. You fight all the other Pikmin. <laughs> yeah. Play from the other side. Yeah. There's there two sides to every. Yes. Oh man, that would be intense. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, Nintendo has definitely been shoring up that relationship with uh, Koei Tecmo. They've definitely been working very closely together. Um, I think they're very happy with, uh, especially after they see the performance of Hyrule Warriors, uh, Age of Calamity. I, I think it's easily going to be the highest selling Musou game of all time. And oh, definitely. It's going to be like maybe Koei Tecmo's best selling game of all time, potentially in the long run. And I think they're going to be like, yo, you got any other IPs you want us to work on, Nintendo? Like, we will make you our first priority over like even like you know our own series like we will you know yeah. work with you on what you want and you mentioning mario uh, yeah. roger seems like a very obvious thing because yes. there are so many characters in that series and then like the the basic core story is like bowser and his army of koopa troopas and his you know all his goombas and stuff are invading the mushroom kingdom it's like there you go it's like mushroom kingdom warriors whatever they're gonna call it Having you could bring in something, you know what? That'd be hilarious if that's the first game that Gino comes back into. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's well, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned the thing yeah. with Koei Tecmo and you know working closer with Nintendo now. I don't know if either of you guys saw this trailer. This was something that was not in the most recent partner showcase in North America, but it's something that was revealed in the Japanese mm -hmm. uh, Nintendo Direct Mini, which is a game called Buddy Mission Bond, and it yes. looks like a new visual novel slash persona game. Okay, first off with the artist who does One Punch Man, developed for Nintendo as a Nintendo IP by Koei Tecmo. So the fact that they're already making a new Nintendo IP says to me that you are right on track. They already know that's going to be the case. They are making Nintendo a priority. And, you know, while we were discussing these other franchises that might work, one thing that immediately came to mind now when we were thinking about Zelda and Fire Emblem, something else that sort of has a semi-anime aesthetic that I think they could do wonders with as a Warriors game would be Xenoblade. I think the idea of the different rifts and going through parallel universes and things, they could pull off a Xenoblade Warriors game, no problem. And between the cast of Xenoblade 2, Xenoblade 1, any future Xenoblade game, and Man. X plus the cores? 
they, they, they absolutely yeah. because they also have a great working relationship with Bandai Namco. Yes, they would absolutely get guest characters from the Saga games. Absolutely yes. would be in yes. there for sure. No, uh, no, no about Gears and Square Enix. That, I mean, that might be a different story, <laughs> right. but at, at least the Saga games would absolutely you'd get those cameos in there as well. So that would that actually. Could, I mean, as you're saying, there are a lot of franchises Nintendo have that could make a good like a lot of sense for this, and I think even. I obviously expect at least, you know, multiple more Musou-style Nintendo crossover games before all this is said and done. To just oh, wasn't yeah. really asked about the question, but I also think it ties back to the previous question about Nintendo letting other PVIPs. I hope if Age of Calamity does well and beyond expectations, it shows Nintendo the possibilities when you allow an IP that's kind of already in a certain kind of genre to go beyond that genre and spin sure. off into other games, but like make them not just spin offs, like integral parts of your franchise and series. Like they are, this is a core story game. It is a essential yeah. prequel to Breath of the Wild, potentially with implications that might have like, imp like impacts on the sequel. With Breath of the Wild too, right, exactly. So it's like, what if like, you know, get a series that like, you know, I mean, let's just go crazy. Like, if, oh, if they ever brought back F-Zero, like you make like an F-Zero RPG, like just switching to a different genre where it makes sense because that's a developer's forte, but taking it seriously. Don't make it goofy. Make it serious. Like it's a new entry in that mainline series, and that would I, I like. I think that would work well. I think that that's a really smart idea. The only thing that Nintendo gets wrong about this is making sure you put out these side games in conjunction with main titles. You, you can't like use that as like a wedge between a nine-year gap in your mm -hmm. your franchise, and that's where a lot of sure. That's where a lot of commotion comes from. I personally don't care. I don't see that as like, this is the new direction for the series, but a lot of consumers get that vibe, get that impression. Um, and so it causes backlash, like Metroid Met Federation Force or whatever, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yes, I 100% agree with that. I, again, that's why I was thinking like, rock, like literally, I, I'm very serious about this. If it was to be possible, yeah. Rockstar Games F-Zero, where you're just doing an open sandbox um, you know, like bounty hunting, and then you can do racing yes. on the side, you know? That would be so I mean, cool. That'd be, that'd be sick for, like, chasing down criminals, right? Is that you hop in the Blue Falcon, you you're on, yeah. these, like, high-speed freeways, chasing down the criminals, you knock them off the road, you know, right. then jump out And you do that in GX, but something. just, like, in a different... Absolutely, yeah, I would man. love that. Yeah. would love it if, yeah, and Rockstar is known for storytelling, if they went for, like, a Mandalorian-style vibes, like, oh, like, my oh goodness. yeah, that would be, oh, uh, man. Perhaps that would be like perfect. They went that, yeah. <laughs> like we said, bounty hunters. Too, like, F Zero is already so campy as well, with like, you know, Falcon Punch and Falcon. Like, they could do so many funny things with the franchise, in addition to, you know, throwing in the action, doing these side missions where you're racing and things. I, I feel like that's a great choice. That's something I never would have thought of, but now I'm like, give me that F Zero Rockstar bounty hunting game. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm excited. I mean, yeah, yeah, again, the crazier it sounds, the more I want to see these things Absolutely. because they end up being awesome for sure. Yeah. Um, our next question comes from Discarded Digit uh, about cloud gaming and, and, and Switch, which has been in the news recently. Uh, so they start off two years. They want to remind us two years ago, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard and Assassin's Creed Odyssey released on the Nintendo Switch exclusively in Japan by means of cloud streaming. During the recent Mini Direct, Nintendo showed off two more cloud versions of big games that couldn't run natively on Switch otherwise, Control and Hitman 3. A Taiwanese company, Ubitus, I believe it's either U U Ubitus or Ubitus. 
I'm okay. not sure how to pronounce it. Uh, I didn't actually look it up. Sorry. Is getting because you beat us would be like video game sounding like you beat us, okay. but maybe it's you beat us. I don't know. Uh, you beat us is getting these four games running on the cloud. So they're behind all of these so far. Mm. Uh, so far, the business model for cloud versions of uh, of these games on Switch is to provide a client uh, for the game for free on the eShop, allow people to play the game for a certain amount of time and to test out the game to see how it works with their connection, and eventually they're presented with a purchase option on there, which I think is pretty smart. Now it looks like the company is looking to bring more games to stream to Switch. It was kind of data mined recently. Will streaming games be successful on the Switch? Uh, sure. I mean, like, honestly, it's one of those things where you might get a little bit of pushback from some people that don't like the idea, especially the people that are obsessed with physical media, um, which, you know, for good reasons, uh, game preservation and stuff like that. And so people that are like, uh, oh, what happens when they close down the service for this stream? I basically paid for the game and I can't play it anymore. Right. Like that's a, a dead that's a dead deal right there where it's like, um, you know, you can download a game digitally. And you will have that copy for the rest of your days. And that people have problems with that as well. Now imagine a game that you purchase a license for, and then all of a sudden the next gen comes out and they just shut down the servers for the game that you bought. That would be really frustrating for some people. And I can see that conversation coming up a lot. But with that said, that's never stopped digital from being successful. And right. I think that also with these streaming games, it's like you're allowing incredible things to happen as a result. And I just don't, I don't see people having enough foresight for this to become a failure of an idea. I think that it will probably move forward to the behest of a good pocket of people, but I think it will be successful so long as the game is desired, I think. You know, yeah. it's just going to be one of those things that's just going to be kind of crowbarred into everybody's lives soon enough, and I think that it will definitely just be a thing going forward. You know, I'm on a technical level, it just makes so much sense. I'm curious what the sales have been like so far for the cloud games that are already on Switch. Because, you know, when they first announced this with Resident Evil, and I think, like you said, it was Assassin's Creed, the one that immediately came to mind, this was before we got the announcement of Rise, was Monster Hunter World. I thought, like, that's a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. You're going to do cloud gaming, Monster Hunter World, bring it on Switch. Monster already already has, like, a huge install base on Nintendo platforms. Why would you not do that? Now, obviously, we know why, because it's going to get its own dedicated game. Um, but, yeah, I think it really just depends on what the sales are like and how many people are willing and open to actually buy games and play games in that way. And I don't know if the world's ready for it necessarily for Switch just yet. I think maybe it might take another generation, but I do think it is an eventuality. I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. Hmm. Yeah. That was the ding for my phone and my PS5 was uh, uh, alive, <laughs> but uh, I'll get it later. Sorry, Franco's <laughs> ending for PS5, everyone. Bye. Uh, I, so I want to talk about the business model here, actually. Sure, um, sure. Monster, uh, actually, real quick, Monster Hunter World. I worry the online functionality. Playing with other people over a cloud version of a game might—that's like might complicate things further. All yeah. these games are primarily single-player games, single-player experiences for the the meat of their gameplay. So I think it might be restricted to that. And and the games they were alluding to coming are also also single-player only experiences or like offline experiences. Mm. Uh, but in terms of business model, I, like you talking about the sales. This makes me wonder if they're setting this up to potentially be a service in the future. Like the answer to Game Pass, their version of Game mm. Pass, their version of uh, PlayStation Now, where 
Nintendo's like, here, we're gonna if you subscribe, maybe it's part like it's the next part of Nintendo Online subscription, something like that, where it's like if you're a subscriber or you subscribe to the higher tier, you get access to these cloud versions of these games. They might still allow them to be bought piecemeal. I assume they will never get let that go away, but it might be an added benefit. And I think if they can if this is the path they're gonna go, even with the supposed Switch Pro, if they're just gonna be always gonna be games. They're always gonna be games they can't get to run on their system per, like that's what we all expect. That there's gonna be like Cyberpunk will never run natively on a Switch sure. piece of Switch sure. hardware, supposedly. We'll see. Uh you never know. They doubt the Witcher 3 running on that's Switch. True. So I don't know. I can't say never to that. But if cloud versions are the way they're gonna go for higher end games uh on the PS5 and Xbox Series X and PC then I feel like they might want to make it a service that you pay for, you subscribe to. Because if I pay like 20 bucks a month and I get to play through two games or whatever, I'm more okay with that when I lose access. Because you were saying, uh, she says that eventually they're going to pull the plug on these digital versions, sure. these especially the streaming versions. Someday, you will not have the access to them even if you paid $60. I feel more okay if it's a subscription-based servicing where I'm only going to play it for a little while. I finish it. I don't. I'm not attached to ownership for this. I think that would be the smart idea here, and I hope that's what direction they go. That's yeah. a great solution to that problem. I think that probably the best solution of all is to have an option for both, and then like it becomes an obvious answer to do what you just said with the subscription-based service. But like to force people into it, I think would cause an outrage as well. Um, but like I think that if you if you have both. All of a sudden, people just start kind of putting the pieces together, and they're like, "Oh yeah, well, it makes more sense to do subscription because I'll save a ton of money, and um, you know, it might go away anyway." You know, it's just like how you kind of thought through it. Um, but I think like if you just kind of force this this service, oh my god, the the backlash that you're gonna see for that, I can imagine it will be immense. I think, but you know, that's just because I've been on Twitter too much. Maybe <laughs> I see it all the time. Sorry, my dog was going crazy. Aww. I heard the barking. Like, <laughs> so I had to pick him up. Now he's calm. So, <laughs> but if you heard him barking in the background, that's why. Sorry about that. Oh, <laughs> so cute. cute. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, in general though, I feel like sometimes social media just gets like blown out of proportion with negativity and reaction. Like yeah. it's too reactionary to things. Whereas come back in a few years and the tune will change because oh, this is. They figure like if they figure out a way to do this and it works, everyone's like, "Yeah, it's not so bad." You know, we, we were getting like worked up. I mean, sometimes it is justified, but at the same time, it's like, man, yeah, can't handle some of that stuff. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, Resident Evil Three was, I think, one of the rumored ones that's coming. So if that happens, that'll make me kind of excited because my dream is that day and date. This this is the solution for day and date for a lot of games. Like if Final Fantasy Remake Part Two is not like exclusive yeah. to Sony, uh, we don't know the deal, the details behind Part Two, even when the heck it's coming out. Whatever it is, let's say it's going to be everywhere multi-platform. That's like something I'd be looking forward to. Like that, I, I mean, I'm going to play it on another platform. But in terms of how viable this everyone really thinks this is like something like remake part two being day and date on switch pro or switch two with cloud awesome. service or mm -hmm. you know some other high profile game that's gonna be like multi-platform whatever uh you know who know i can't think of something off that. i was gonna say a kojima game that'll probably be a sony exclusive man <laughs> i don't know with microsoft buying up all the more studios i don't know I, I, like who's to well, say what's safe to say anymore microsoft though because i feel like I'm mm. not counting out that Game Pass is going to come to Switch at some point. I feel pretty strongly, if you look at the Microsoft-Nintendo relationship in recent years with Minecraft, you know, and Banjo-Kazooie and Cuphead all in Smash Brothers, even Vault Boy, which is now technically a Microsoft IP, you've got Fallout, uh, I would not be surprised to see Xbox games or Game Pass streaming on Switch at some point. 
for yeah, I think it's been heavily speculated, and yeah. I also would not be surprised either. I really, if it happens, I'm very curious to see what the pricing model is going to be for that, because it will be something that you know will be the first time they're putting it. I think on another person's ecosystem where they're probably going to want like a cut. Obviously, the whole sure Apple, yeah, Apple, the Apple situation with them and Epic and everything else, like that's you know that's also ongoing as well. But Nintendo yeah. would be very interesting to see how they how they want to go about doing that, um, because that's kind of like I think we'll set the standard for a lot of other things to fall into place, but. Yeah, I mean, I played that control version. The uh, the performance one was easily very smooth and ran very well. The nice, the visual fidelity one. I have a gigabit connection, and I was like, mm, even with this, it's <laughs> not, not running. <laughs> Ray tracing's killing it, even on the stream version. Sorry, <laughs> so we'll have to see. I got one final question for both of you. It comes from Morgan. Sure. Does Nintendo have the edge in the console market due to not competing with the other console releases? Following Sony and Microsoft's console releases, does Nintendo need to change their strategy or continue innovating as they see fit and relying on their first-party titles? Do you want to take this first? I'm trying to think. I, I don't know. That's tough. I really don't know. I, re I don't know. I don't I mean, have an answer. I think that... Uh, you know, Nintendo got a very powerful niche, and that was the handheld gaming market, uh, combining it into with home console. And um, I, you know, as much as we want to believe it's a separate thing, like it was with the Wii, I don't think it is. I think that um, they are constantly fighting for pub uh, developer and publisher relationships, and uh, the success of your console depends on that. And you know, while there is a really powerful, awesome gimmick with the Nintendo Switch. At the end of the day, it's the gimmick of having a home console experience in the palm of your hands. And so if you're not getting home console experiences on that platform, it's a piece of junk. It doesn't do anything for sure. you. Sure. Um, and, you know, Nintendo certainly does have that last leg with its own IPs. That's how they managed to kind of uh, clumsily walk their way through the Wii, Wii U era. Um, but, you know, the Switch, again, is it's doing well because... Third-party publishers are actually participating now. There's a lot of great games you can pick for that platform. Um, Nintendo is also making some really strong choices with their IPs. It's just a perfect storm. And, uh, you know, if they, again, if they make a, a hardware or if they make a gimmick that doesn't resonate with the public, um, you better believe that it's not just Nintendo in their own corner of the universe. Uh, PlayStation and Xbox become competition. They become a platform in which people can look to and be like, I choose you instead. I have seven hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a PlayStation. I'm not getting a Nintendo this time, you know. So it's it's all about what they provide and how they make themselves a better value or an equal value to their competitors. So that will I don't think they'll ever go away except for weird weird gimmicks like the Nintendo Wii, like yeah. where they kind of they cut out their own market with that. I, that's that's I how I just, feel. I was thinking about everything that you were saying, and I think. Where I think I am right now, in terms of what I think the future of Nintendo is going to look like, is that the Switch idea probably isn't going anywhere for at least a couple generations, so long as, it, as it's successful. Um, I think the main thing is when they decide to time the releases of their system, right? Because this Switch Pro, in my eyes, is not going to be Switch 2. It's going to be DSi, right? It's going to be new 3ds it's that type of upgrade it's something that isn't necessarily a new console it's something that continues to sell their current console but in a new way and i think when we do eventually get the release of a switch 2 a full-on switch successor i think we're going to end up seeing 
See, even then I don't know though, because there's such a huge leap with some of these games, but then there's so many games right now, like on PS5, if you look at something like Miles Morales, right? PS5 is launching, but Miles Morales is still coming out on PS4. So it's a question of, okay, well, how long is it going to take for these games to really not work on the previous systems at all? You know, are we close to that right now? Um, I, I don't know necessarily, I really don't. And so I think if they wait another four or five years, they do another Switch, they have it where now it's like all those games that you loved on PS4 and early PS5, now you could play them on our new system. If they keep riding that wave of being in the middle of these generations, I think they're actually in a pretty good spot. I think, uh, you know, I, the smartest thing Nintendo to do, which is not always the decision they make, <laughs> let's be honest with ourselves, um, is to make a, a Super Switch. You know, like a Super Nintendo to the NES, the Super Switch, and I do think that... Um, the, the smartest thing they could do with that is make it completely compatible with all Switch software. And sure. also, yeah, and like you were just kind of touching upon, um, having a version that's compatible with the Switch that's going to probably run like crap, honestly, once you kind of start focusing on the Super Switch, as I right, right. should stop calling it at this point. Um, but like having a superior, uh, you know, version of it on this. I mean, like, we have that feature on PC, right? It's like, does your PC handle it at max graphics settings, or do we have to tone it down? What, yeah. What's to say a home console can't do the same thing, right? Yeah. It's like, you, yeah. you download you download the same game, but it can just kind of scale the performance based off of which version you have. That would be the smartest thing that they could possibly do. And then, obviously, with this newer version, have features that can't be accomplished on the regular switch sure. like maybe better stream gaming or something so, um yeah stream gaming and stuff like that but yeah um you brought up a good thing though is i also completely agree i feel like whatever the next thing is moving forward it is going to be fully backwards compatible with switch i think they're going to look at this in terms of the handhelds and how you could play gba games on ds and ds games on 3ds i do think it'll be something similar for whatever the next switch successor is going to be um and you could already kind of see it with their infrastructure with online as well where you're seeing it where now you have one Nintendo ID that goes across all platforms. It's on mobile, it's on Switch. I do think you're going to have access even to your digital library of Switch games moving forward into whatever the next system's going to be. Hmm. Yeah, I think that would be a really, really smart move. But again, we have the Wii U to look back on. So who knows? Uh, like, it depends on how rigid their structure is as far as moving on to the next gen, you know? Yeah. It's like, does it have to completely abandon everything that they did in the last generation? Or can they have the capability? Can they have a, a round a table discussion about how it would be so viable to just carry over everything that made the Switch successful and just do more, do bigger, do better? And make sure you market it correctly, too. You can't well, just do, say like... That's exactly, I think, what the issue was with Wii U. I think Wii U yeah. could have done great. I think they relied too heavily on that Wii branding and that they assumed people would know that it's a new system. Because at the time, I don't know if many people know this about me, I was working as a product demonstrator for Nintendo oh, <laughs> in cool. the Chicagoland area during that season for Wii U. And one of the big things that was regularly coming up was people were going, so this is a tablet for your Wii, right? And it still wasn't clear. Even when playing the system, they didn't realize that it was something new. And you had to go, no, 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 this is a brand new system with new experiences from Nintendo. And... You know, I, I feel like they're not going to make the same mistake twice. I do feel like they're not going to completely abandon 
what made Switch successful, even if they do add some new type of gimmick to it. I think we've seen successful gimmicks with the Switch still. We're getting Wii-era type things with Mario Kart Live and with Ring Fit Adventure, with Nintendo Labo. Like, they're not completely going away from that. We're still getting that fun, you know, funky type of Nintendo. I think it's just a matter of not implementing it directly in your system and being like, you need to play with this thing, either a gamepad yeah. or a, you know, <laughs> a IR pointer controls or whatever. And let's keep that trend going because that is definitely yes. a smart idea. Just cut out yes. small yeah, projects, but don't make it like the infrastructure of your entire system. Exactly. Absolutely, yeah. That's Hopefully, a, they have the whereabouts for that. That's a very yeah. good point. Because oh. even during the Wii era, like balance board, you know, like sure. all, all their all their things were central to like the system. They kept saying like this is what the system was made for. Where is all their efforts during Switch? These have been like fun side projects that like they, they allow them to get creative, and they've all pretty so far paid off pretty well. But they're not core to the switch like philosophy in terms of if you buy a switch these are the types of experiences you're buying it for it's like no these are just like that bonus added on it, 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 i agree with a lot of everything you said i think the thing with nintendo is i think they've realized two things i mean obviously we've already talked about like the value of the switch and that uh going forward like keeping everything that worked on switch working going forward so backwards compatibility i think they know how important that is I think they've also found a middle ground in terms of maybe not with the Switch where it is right now, but where they want it to be in terms mm. of power. I don't think they ever want to directly compete with, uh, with Sony and Microsoft on those fronts with the, the cutting edge. I do think... First it was my dog, now it's your dog. <laughs> now I don't feel as bad. That's good. <laughs> I, I, I do think, though... That they they I think they're getting feedback from their their third party developers saying if you could just meet us here, we this would be a much better spot for us. Like could we get like maybe a little bit more RAM or if you had like a little bit more processing power, just something. They're probably yeah. getting that feedback and they're probably looking at Switch Pro and Switch Two. Like this is going to get us to those spots where we're going to be able to continue to see the kind of support we're getting, which I feel like the Switch has gotten really great support from third party publishers. Uh, some, there might be some you might, might, might want to see more support from, but in general, it's been the best it's been, I think, in a long time. And yeah. in terms of quality, and not just like the, the deals they're doing, but the quality of the games actually come out. I do worry about uh, the, the, the whole thing about making sure things run on older hardware. We're just starting a new generation for Sony and Microsoft. I think you're going to start to see the reports, especially probably when Cyberpunk comes out. Mm. I can't wait to see how it runs on the vanilla system, vanilla PlayStation 4 and vanilla Xbox uh, One. I'm gonna, oh, I bet yeah. you're going to see reports of a lot of people complaining about that. Sure. Oh, there have also been 100%. like re reports that have come out that saying like, man, Xbox Series S might be holding back next-gen de development for that, that platform. And like... If those stories start to come out, those are people who are way more experienced with the with, with developing that style, like and catering to multiple SKUs and platforms. I do not think that's Nintendo's specialty at all. I no. I think. But they again, would, like yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say that. Like, we, we this whole discussion started with Pikmin three, and you know the way Pikmin three is experienced on the Switch as it is right now. I we all agree is great. Yeah. And if course. we can just kind of have like that level of quality and then when you kind of put it onto the switch pro you get the you know enhanced um, abilities with that i think that'd be awesome but yeah i know it has the capacity to look like complete garbage on the older version but i think that's more of an incentive to upgrade than it is to you know say to yourself like there's no way this is going to work i think it's more sure. like uh, hey it's possible it's viable it's here i can play it but let's be honest it's not as good as it should look and the only way it's going to look as good as it should is if i upgrade to the next system you know yeah. i yeah. think that will make I think that's just a very organic way to transition people to the next system. You know, yeah. it's like, it's possible, but 
you can see how much better, how greener the grass is on the other side, essentially. You know, it just becomes so enticing at that point. It's a good marketing ploy, I guess. Um, yeah, I, but again, like to kind of touch upon something you were saying too, I think that developers, they, they probably, that's the one thing that Nintendo does not have is horsepower at this point. And yeah. I think that's why we had heard those rumors of Nintendo telling developers, make sure you start uh, optimizing your games for 4K and stuff like that. Yeah. I think they want to be able to get that pocket of developers that will not switch over to the Switch. And there you go, redundancy. But um, because of the <laughs> fact that, <laughs> because of the fact that uh, it just doesn't, they, they are developing for these high-end systems and they just don't, don't have a way to transfer that to the switch system as it stands right now and so once they're capable of doing that we're going to say see even more um a experiences from third-party developers onto the switch that's like the last corner of the gaming market that nintendo has to seize right now that they don't have they have everything else i feel yeah. you know they have these excellent ports of games that can are capable to run on the system they have excellent first-party games they have the casuals they have the hardcores they have almost everything the one thing they just don't have is this ability to compete with certain franchises that just cannot, simply will not run on the Switch. Yeah. And I think that with the Switch Pro or whatever it's going to be called, that's going to be it. That's their ace in the hole. So yeah. that's what I hope they do. I, and I think hope that's... So too. Honestly, with a lot of those, some of those, it's they're going to be their only option. Like, uh, we talk about, like, uh, CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk. I mean, yeah, they... they uh, like, the outsource company Panic Button has been doing wonders porting all these games to Switch, but... You'd want you want to see the core team like you want to see day and date releases. You want to see the core yeah. team working. And with this, like something like see Project Red, all their time is consumed. There's the, all the stories with you know Cyberpunk and you know even the Crunch stories. We don't need to get into that, but they only have so much time and resources to make one game right now. Optimally, if Switch was going to not meet people halfway or prov provide the horsepower, you'd want these companies to make unique games for Switch. Like okay, if you can't give us Cyberpunk. Then have your team make a game for Switch that's like a like a, a, a caliber game that we can expect. Maybe not in the fidelity department, but you know in terms of everything else. But you're just not going to see that. It's not possible with those resources. They can't do that. So I think Nintendo's kind of also realizing that as well that they're kind of being they, they need to do this. Like a lot of, like this is something if they want these last you say these last pockets of these 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 big games they're just not getting on on, on Switch. This is what they need to do. And I think they are taking it a little bit more seriously this time than before. But I just don't think they're going to go full cutting edge. But, like, it's not that hard. I don't think it's that much of an ask to say in, a, like, a, a year or two, some, the, a new Switch model should support a form of 4K. Like, mm. com, like come on. Like, 4K gaming's starting now with next gen. And you give another year or two, it's going to be kind of widespread. So... You're sitting back at... T we're, we're going back to the Wii era again, where, right. man, you don't run your games in HD on Wii? Why were we going to... We, we don't want to port an SD game. Like, it's that. At least the Switch hasn't had to deal with that yet. It's going... Right. Like, if that resolution gap gets big enough, they're going to have to start doing that. I think that's why they're like, yeah. no, we're going to be on top of it this time. And so that goes I back to what I was saying, too, right? With the, with the whole thing is they just got to find the sweet spot with these mid-generation gaps. So long as they continue to do that for the future, I think they're golden. I just think they need to find when that thing is going to be and when people do start to transition. Because again, I mean, you, you look at the PS5 generation, the new Xbox and stuff like that, there's still a ton of people who don't have 4K TVs. This makes no yeah. difference to them. They're still gonna be playing in 1080. But like you said, there is going to be a point in the future, probably in the near future, where that is going to switch, mm -hmm. um, no pun intended. And so they're gonna have to find 
sort of the right time to say, no, we're going to be on top of this. We're going to make sure that we're releasing things in this type of fidelity. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, I think that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Friend Code. I want to first all right. thank all of our patrons who submitted questions for consideration for this episode. Uh, if you want to submit questions for consideration for episodes of Friend Code, you need to be a $5 and up patron. Uh, if you're also a $5 and up patron, uh, you're part of our early access tier where you get several episodes of some of our shows and podcasts a little bit early before they go up to the public. So thank you to all of you who support us in that way. Uh, I forgot to mention that uh, the week that we'll be recording an episode of Friend Code is when I'll make that post for $5 patrons calling for your questions and letting you know who the guests will be and what we'll be talking about. I also want to give a special shout out to our, 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 our shout out tier of patrons. Uh, so special thanks and shout outs to Althanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb Togi Crawford, and Nick. Thank you so much. Shout out. Um, and before we head out here and sign off, I want to give the two of you an opportunity to let everyone know, uh, our listeners and viewers, where they could follow more of your work. And uh, if you got any big projects you're working on that you want to share, uh, start with you, you, she says. What do you got going? Um, so I, I run a show called Boundary Break on YouTube. You can absolutely check that out. It's um, a show where we basically take the camera anywhere we want in famous video games and try to find secrets and developer techniques and explain it to the viewer. It's a lot of fun. Um, lately, I've been streaming, though, so if you have Twitch, Follow me on Twitch with Boundary Break with no space. I've been doing that a lot more often. It's been a ton of fun. So that would be a great way to help me out if you've already seen Boundary Break before. So definitely check me out there. Uh, we're having a blast, and it would be great to see you. And uh, Roger, where can people check out your stuff? Sure. You can find me at Roger's Base on YouTube, on Twitter, on Twitch, on Instagram. All one word, Roger's Base. I got that brand unity going. Uh, next week, I'm doing my full live playthrough of Age of Calamity. I have not yet even played the demo. The only thing I've seen is from the preview I did yesterday. So I don't know anything else about it. I'm going in relatively blind. I cannot wait. That is my most anticipated game of the year. I cannot wait to play through it. Um, I've got a Game of the Year collab stream coming up in December mm. that I'm not quite ready to announce or what's going to happen or who's going to be on it, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And I've got, um, I'm trying to think of other gaming-related things coming up. I know there's a huge audience for anime and manga stuff on Easy Allies as well. We've talked about One Punch Man and things like that. So I just finished last night uh, doing a huge collab stream on Manga of the Year. I had a bunch of other manga YouTubers. That was a lot of fun. It was a heated four and a half hour long discussion, but uh, it makes for good content in quarantine. So go check it out. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we've been trying to think about getting back into maybe some like anime content. Uh, Now's the time to do yeah. it. Jujutsu Kaisen's the wave, buddy. It's yeah, so good. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to see, man, not having access to the studio though, does stink as well, but sure. we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, so thank you both of you for joining me um, on this episode of Friend Code. Thank you again to everyone who submitted your questions. But uh, until next time, everybody, may the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Bye. Bye. <laughs>